0: Welcome to the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast with me, Madge Obasaki. I'm an ordained minister, a church consultant, author, and I'm honored to be the host of this podcast. This podcast addresses a wide range of issues which affect the healthy growth of the church at large. Every single Monday, you'll hear me with fellow ministers, church leaders, and experts in their field, to help leaders in the body of Christ identify practical solutions. Join me every Monday for an episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Church Growth Show podcast. And this is episode 36. We are continuing our series on young adults, how we disciple them, actually, how we bring them to faith in the first place i have the pleasure and the honor of speaking to a young man over in arizona he is going to tell me how he works with school-aged children and beyond generation Z, how we bring people to faith and how we keep them in faith and move them on to be mature in christ so kendall dooley how are you
1: I am so well. Thank you so much for having me on here, Minister Madge. It's a blessing oh, to be able to, to talk oh, with you.
0: It's a pleasure and an honor for me to talk to you. And uh, let's get this out of the way because um, the reason we um, we are talking is because of a mutual person in our lives. Erin Lashley, Erin, shout out to you. Yourself and Erin, partners in life now, aren't you?
1: Yes, we started dating. Um, a few months ago, we've been dating for five months now. We met uh, around the start in March, which was the beginning of quarantine out here in Arizona. And so we had met right before we were kind of in home quarantining. And so we kept up a relationship, calling one another and being on Zoom. And so it's such a blessing to be dating Erin. I love to brag on her um, so much. She's such an amazing woman and she knows amazing people. And so I was so happy that she connected me with you
0: oh bless you i am so happy for you guys and um i've been talking to her for a couple of years which i had not realized we haven't physically met each other but she's my little sister because you know we're sisters in christ and i've interviewed her a couple of times and she speaks highly of you and i've seen a really wonderful video kind of charts your journey so i'm i'm so pleased about that so thank you erin because i know you'll be listening to this
1: (laughs) Shout out Aaron.
0: Yeah so um, Kendall tell me a bit about your faith journey and how you came to be a a youth pastor or a student pastor as you call it.
1: Yes so I am from um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was born in North Carolina and my family had moved out to Iowa which is in the Midwest in the USA and so I grew up around cornfields and different things in Iowa and i had met god at an early age uh actually my dad was a pastor at a church a predominantly black church african-american church in a city called cedar rapids iowa and so i had grown up um under kind of his his leadership in the church um and got to really witness him in a pastor's house right you don't have an option um you're you're saved from the get-go but i remember specifically uh one night when i was um Kid, I was crying because of a really bad storm, and I run into my parents' room. I'm scared because of this storm, and my dad, who I can tell he's pretty upset, I woke him up from his sleep, uh, is just like, All right, like, do you believe in God? Do you believe we protect you? And like, let's pray a prayer of salvation, and you're saved. And so, I kind of jokingly tell people that that's my salvation story, but in all honesty, um, my relationship with God as most of ours is a journey, um, I believe. I, I think I really st- fell in love with God because of the people who I was in relationship within at the church I went to. Um, my aunts and uncles and cousins um, lived in North Carolina where I was born at. And so when my family moved to Iowa, um, I really did not have like aunts and uncles around me. And so the church became that for me people from the church were, became like cousins and real relatives and family to me. And the love that they showed uh, to me um, is what drew me to God because I had no reason not to trust these people. I had no reason not to believe what they were telling me. And so when they were told me about this good God, it just made sense for me um, to, to continue to follow him and continue to know who he is. I was also a curious kid. I was uh, always kind of a quite curious kid. So I asked a lot of questions. Um, I'd ask the questions like, um, like, well, who made God? Or did Adam and Eve have a belly button? And kind of all those <laughs> questions, right? That kind of just spurred my faith on actually a little bit because I didn't just ask questions, but I went digging for answers. Um, if, if people couldn't give them to me, I went digging for them myself in scripture and in the Bible from an early age. And so I, for whatever reason, God um, has put a spirit in me of hunger to be hungry, to know who he is, to what his word says about him. And so I've kind of just been developing a relationship with him um, from a young age.
0: Yeah. So you, your experiences then, um, how old were you then?
1: So I had first that, that story I share about the storm and me running to my father's room. I believe I was six then. But it was wow. Yes, but it was really. I want to say when I was eleven was when I really started seriously um, carving out time throughout my day um, to to be asking questions to God and searching for answers. Wow.
0: So eleven, and that's actually a good place to start. The reason for this conversation because working as a student pastor and what what sort of age group is that?
1: Yes, so here in the US, I um I get to minister between fifth grade to twelfth grade. And what is that? What's fifth grade? The ages between that is ten to eighteen. Yeah. Ten to eighteen. Yeah. I have the privilege to minister to you.
0: So ten to eighteen. So you were eleven, so you had this faith journey from six until 11, but then you started to to question, do you find that the people that you're working with, do they actually at that stage have the same sort of curiosity?
1: I actually don't really find that as often. (laughs) Um, And I'm not sure what the the reason is for that. I think I am a little bit of a unique case, right? Because I grew up in a pastor's home and was kind of just my, growing up, especially as a kid, I was at church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was kind of a day-to-day type of relationship I had with the church and the church community. Well, well, I don't think that's really people's realities and students' realities right now. What Um, is their reality? Out here in Phoenix, Arizona, I I can speak to that Sunday morning gatherings are kind of like the pinpoint, right, of like, that's my time with God. That's solely my time for church. And it's not really weaved in into people's lives and students' lives, I believe, as it was in the past for mine. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I do find every now and then a few unique students who are curious and asking questions and who are um, offering different knowledge from what they're reading the Bible and from scripture. And typically I find students like that to have parents or families who are um, kind of driving that in them and who are encouraging them to read the Bibles. For me, it was surprisingly enough, never really my parents who um, kind of like had a strict discipline or really wanted me to read the Bible. It was kind of like an autonomous decision for me from a young age. But what I'm seeing now is with these maybe Gen X, some millennial parents is that they're really intentional about their faith uh, with their kids and and Oh, that's
0: interesting
1: yeah i can that's that's like a few unique students i wouldn't say that's everyone but um the students i do see who are kind of uniquely curious and reading their bibles and actually kind of digging into scripture right now or spurred on by their parent gorge gen x and millennials right now
0: if they are keen then that bucks the trends because you you often hear that we're in a post-christian era so um Mm -hmm. and you know the parents and the upbringing is is so influential so as you said you know the millennials who were the leaders of the future are actually now the parents of the future if you like and and obviously gen Xers who were um a bit older you know in their 50s maybe late 40s um 50s onwards they obviously had an influence over their children through their upbringing but mm-hmm. tell me a bit about how these students dovetail into your your church that you serve and you are staffing is called new city phoenix so how do these students how does it all work? What role do you play in that and how does it all work?
1: Yeah. So our mission statement at New City Church in, in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, is we exist to make disciples who take the message of Jesus to the places we live, work, study and play. It's kind oh. of a catchy uh, mission statement. Yeah, um, We use the words live, work, study and play a lot. To, to really illustrate that all of life is all of Jesus. Jesus is involved in all of our lives where we mm. live, work, study, mm. and play. Mm. And so I will really talk about this when I'm training new volunteer leaders to come serve with the church and the students. I'll talk about this. But I tell them kind of jokingly, um, we stole it. That we kind of stole the mission statement and their, their reaction is like, oh, what? You guys stole it? And I'm like, yeah, we stole it from Jesus. Um, <laughs> that Jesus was the person right in Matthew 28 who asked us to go make disciples and teach them what I have taught you. Mm. And so, um, I mean, our mission in, in today's age is like how we just continue on what Jesus asked of us and Jesus's mission for his church and for us, the people of God. And so at New City, we ask the question, well, how are we intentionally and strategically doing that for young people? That we do believe that the younger generation young people, that there are different strategies and things we can do to be strategic to disciple them and to bring them into the faith. Um, And so that's where the youth ministry comes in is to create that strategic way of how we're discipling students. And so the vision for New City students is to create a community of students who live in love like Jesus and seek to bless the city. And so there's three kind of main things that are found in there, um, which is one community, is that at first, a lot of students um, don't come to to youth group um, primarily sometimes for the relationship with God, but sometimes it begins because their friends are there. That their friends are there, they come and then their relationship with God grows, but they have friends are there, their peers are there, they find a friendship in me, their youth pastor, they find a friendship in our volunteers who help serve. And so that's kind of what the big, big thing we want to build our things on is this relational capital and community. That's also speaking a little bit to my story, right, where I said church was kind of family yeah. to me growing yeah. up. And so I think I was so blessed by that. I'd love for that to be a blessing to these kids as well. And then uh, the other aspect is to live and love like Jesus. And that's the practical steps of like, how, what tools are we giving these students to become more Christ-like? And so one of that is our teachings. We meet every week on Sundays and I'll do a teaching. Um, a lot of my teachings will, will kind of air around the, the thought and the belief um, that they're loved by God. It's kind of the root of it all is that God loves them and wants to be involved in their lives um, immensely. There's a lot of kind of what some of my teaching airs around for for the students. And then also I want to give them practical tools that they can take home on what it means to be Christ-like in different spiritual disciplines. And that's a little bit more than just reading Bible and praying, but what does it mean to practice silence, um, to, to build up different habits in your life in order to follow God? And then we also, with our volunteers, we call them leaders and we assign them different students. And so those leaders are assigned students that they're mentoring over and they're discipling them relationally, day to day, not just during our gatherings on Sunday morning, but also they're in the lives of the students. They're going to their football games, their basketball games, they're having dinner with their families. They're just involved in the lives of the students um, as a mentor. And kind of as a big brother and big sister, and so that's yeah. our strategy for that live and love like Jesus discipleship. And the third one is seek to bless the city, which is this holistic way of what I believe God's mission is for us: is how can we bless the people and the place that we're around. Um, I think the word blessing is a really rich word. It, within that word, encompasses like evangelism. How are these students um, talking to the peers and their school and talking to them out? talking to them about how amazing God is. And then how are we partnering with different under-resourced communities or different organizations like food banks so we can bless the city and partner with them through that way. And so these three things we focus on is community, live and love like Jesus and blessing the city are kind of the, the vision of the ministry at New City Students and New City Church in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. Amazing.
0: So you mentioned uh, meeting them. Now, I know we're still in a very difficult period in history. We're, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And so how are you managing to do all that you said, which was very impressive, in this restricted, socially distanced environment?
1: The the three things I really boiled down um, of kind of what ministry is for students, um, along with what I just said, right? Community teaching them to live in love like Jesus, blessing the city are, um, reflecting back to Jesus. We have values within, um, the youth ministry that I talked to each of the leaders about a uh, famous social entrepreneur. I believe Peter Drucker says values each strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Um, and which is like, I love that saying, because yeah. you can do strategy all day and never accomplish your goal Definitely. unless the culture is set for you to get to the goal that you want. And values is what create culture. And so one of our first values is Christ-centered, meaning we want to do everything intentionally, that we don't do, just do games or do things just to do them, but there's yeah. a means to an end, which is Christ being that end. Yeah. And so um, during that time, and I also have the, uh, the privilege to be attending seminary right now at Covenant Theological Seminary oh, lovely. Um, online. And so during that time and through my seminary course too, during the pandemic, I really got to zoom in and focus on Jesus's ministry. I was like, yeah. what, how did Jesus really do ministry, right? Mm. And I really paid attention to Matthew, um, mm. the book of Matthew through that. And kind of what I was noticing, I you know, was like, there were different times that he gathered. Mm. Jesus was gathering people. Mm. He taught. And then he was blessing people through healing yeah. with them, the different thing that gather, teach and bless. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, that's what I see really from Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how can I just instill that today still within the students? So like, if that's what ministry boils down to is those three things, then how can I um, instill those within the youth ministry here at New City? And so I asked myself, well, how can I still gather? How can we still gather in a way, especially during from um, March till,
0: Till now, really. Till
1: now. Yeah, till now, really, yeah, until now, really. August is when we opened back up and we, yeah. we met in person. Yeah. But from there, I was kind of like, Well, how can I still gather with everyone? And so, um, we, we hopped on to, to Zoom um, pretty quickly. We started Good old mid, midweek, <laughs> yeah, Zoom calls, which at first, right, the students love and they're excited about it at first, and then after a while, right, Zoom kind of got a little bit old and we're still trying to navigate now. That's one challenge we face now is like, how can we still gather um, our student? And then the second one is teach, um, which growing up again, as I mentioned before, um, it was never really my parents who really like put a a big hand on me and saying like, you need to be reading your Bibles or or was big on that. But when I was 11 up, I really was discipled through YouTube. I I use YouTube <laughs> as a means of ministries for me of different kind of YouTube believers, wow. people I looked up to, and really just kind of ate up some of their um, some of their teachings and the things that they were putting out then. And YouTube's definitely bigger now than it was back then. That was in the 2000s. Um, YouTube is definitely bigger now, but even then, the material and stuff that was coming out on in different Christian believers was I was eating that up, and so I was like man, what a perfect opportunity for to Now to replicate that for the students. And so we relied a little bit heavily on YouTube, on the teachings um, that we would teach through that. We, we also kind of got fun with it too. And we create different kind of like fun videos. We wanted to highlight the students to get the students engaged and get them involved. Mm-hmm. And so like we have students who have different gifts and talents. Like we have students who dance, sing, um, different things like that. And so we allowed them to display kind of the gifts God's given them um, mm. through YouTube. And so we highlighted the students. We had one student who was a painter. And so we did a video of them painting um, and talking about what their painting is and did all that on YouTube. Yeah, that was a, it was a pretty good, big success. And students were really engaged with it and were attracted to it, along with different people from the church too, who sometimes don't always know what go- is going on within the youth ministry um, that they were able to engage with that as well and it also built camaraderie among myself and the volunteers who were creating the videos um, mm. What we just grew in a relationship with one another doing it and then the third the third thing is bless and so I was like how can i still be blessing the students and so through our zoom gathering sometimes we'll do different games and they might win prizes or different things and so i would run to a student's house i would drive over there and i would bless them like with a gift card um to a restaurant wow. to their favorite restaurant or wow. bless them like with a gift card to get their favorite video game or I'd drive to different students and give like a meal package or a food package or to make different phone calls right like man how asking how can I, I bless the students still during this time
0: that wasn't through any sort of competitive edge or it was just a matter of randomly choosing one? How, how did that work?
1: So some of it was some fun competition. I believe that all, um, all of God's creation is good. Even God's creation of competition, um, healthy competition can be good. And so we would do different like fun games. We did different games through Zoom when we would gather via Zoom during the midweek. There was different trivia games. It's been mm. fun to, to see the different um, kind of like things that have been created um, for Zoom, these different games that creators made kind of really fast, um, pivoting really fast uh, that were good for the Zoom platform. And so we'd play different trivia games, Jeopardy type of games um, and whoever like won those games, right, would get a gift card at the end. But um, sometimes wow. I would be like, everyone gets a gift card at different, amount, at so, so much of amount gift cards. Sometimes they may be uh, cheaper $5 gift cards if I would do, was doing it for everyone. But sometimes I would be like, okay, everyone still gets something, even though this person was the winner, but it was also a, a, a thing to, to provide fun and kind yeah. of a, a and sad connection and by stressful. The sound
0: of it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But you, you, you mentioned something very important because I'm looking into the way we're doing church online at the moment mm. and a lot of people I speak to a lot of pastors I'm a church consultant so that's what I do anyway and over the last few weeks particularly in the last few days I've had people messaging saying you know have you got any ideas for other systems other than Zoom because it yeah. seems as though Zoom has become so popular that it's not always as reliable as it needs to be when people need it to be yeah. and people are struggling with with um, that at the moment and also with the engagement and that's what you said just now because people it was it was a bit of a novelty at the beginning but now it's not so how how are you transitioning that are you looking at other systems to use what what, what are you doing and i know you're doing com- kind of the where you can the face to face, um, by dropping things off or, um, what other technology are you using at the moment?
1: So I always tell people, I've told people kind of during this time, interestingly enough that I really think the way that a lot of youth ministries do youth ministry here in the U S we're prepared for a time like this. Uh, as I said, like in the the beginning, talking about the ministry of how I assign leaders, Mm. students, Mm. um, And it's the, it's the role and job of those leaders to be in the lives of students Mm. through social media, Instagram, um, Snapchat messaging, like they're in the lives of the students. And so, because that was our model, right. If everything was to work how it was supposed to during quarantine, my students are still engaged because their leaders are relationally reaching out to them Mm. throughout the week, um, texting them and, um, and finding different ways to to engage with them on social media and so we didn't rely on a gathering we don't rely just on the gathering the gathering is just kind of a small part of what we do um
0: but it's really it's
1: really the day-to-day um type of focus and so because of that i was never really that stressed or worried um about students not engaging are um, not feeling engaged to the ministry because of that. Because if things were supposed to work the way they were supposed to, how things were set up, leaders would be engaging um, with their students.
0: But it it sounds as though you have to have quite a wide range of activities and interactions in order to keep them engaged at that, that age group. Because you're talking about from 10 years old right up to what, 18 or something, is it?
1: yeah so the the middle schoolers are really the ones right who kind of need that almost high energy sometimes um, mm. kind of engagement and connection um, to to be involved. and honestly, for some of those students it's been it's been harder uh, again, I think zoom fatigue is a real thing, yeah um, especially <laughs> since they're doing they're doing school through zoom mm. yeah, zoomed out um they're doing school through Zoom, and so it's kind of like, why do I why do I want to hop on another Zoom? And like, especially if it's like, what am I going to get out of it? Um, mm-hmm. They're asking themselves that, and so that is a, a difficulty that we face for for our middle school students, which that's like ten to ten to thirteen, um, fourteen, um, that kind of age age demographic. The kind of strategy that we've we've been doing right now, and that we're going to start doing in January, more of is have our live recording on those Sunday mornings where I'm giving the message live. We'll have a computer hooked up, laptop hooked up to a camera. Um, and so that they, the students via Zoom can see everything that's going on clearly, um, can hear the message clearly, can hear worship clearly. And then after that, I'll break them up into groups with their um, assigned leaders. And in, so- In
0: Zoom, the, the breakout rooms you mean?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay, via Zoom, the breakout rooms via Zoom, which is a cool tool, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the, the leaders will be leading their, their groups um, through Zoom in those breakout rooms. So, again, it puts quite a bit of responsibility on those volunteer leaders I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, get to oversee them, hold them accountable to their responsibilities. But it really puts the, the kind of onus on them and their leaders to be reaching out to the, um, to the students, to be messaging them, saying like, hey, we're gathering, we're talking about this this Sunday, we're talking about depression this Sunday, mm. like you guys join our discussion. And then also, sometimes like the middle schoolers, they are um, a little bit at the mercy, right, of their parents. Um, when their <laughs> parents um, allow them to go out. My high schools are a little bit different because some yeah. of them drive- more independent. More exactly. Yeah um where the middle schools are a little bit at the mercy of their parents some parents right and families of the churches don't feel comfortable just yet allowing their students to come in person because of because of the virus they do would feel more comfortable allowing their student to meet in a small group setting with their leader Mm. and a couple other of their peers if it's like a smaller group and so again a lot of the responsibility goes on the leaders yeah. as volunteer leaders, to really be engaging with those students, to be messaging them, to find like, oh, how can we meet in a smaller setting? And then how can I invite them into the fun games we might do or mm-hmm. into the, the Sunday morning Zoom gatherings that we will start doing? Uh, a lot of it, right, is that the, the student has to um, feel a connection to their leader. Yeah, um, Like it's not going to work. The kind of the strategy that we have won't work if they don't feel a a real connection to their leader. When I I train leaders for their position, we have this acronym, P-E-L-P, called PELP, um, which is P, pursue. It's like you pursue, pursue, pursue. Just um, like God pursues relationship with us, that these leaders pursue relationship with students. And so the demographic um, that I work with is diverse. We have mixed board of socioeconomic status, Um, of students, we have um, Hispanic students, we have African American, white students, um, all from a different, again, socioeconomic status sign, and so um, I tell the leaders, I'm like, man, fight to, for that, what that connection can be, Um, sometimes, like, I have leaders who are white, they grew up in the suburbs, and their student might be an urban black kid, and it's like, fight for what that connection could be,
0: is, yeah. it video,
1: is it video games? Is it a hobby, biking? Is it um, cooking? Whatever it is, um, fight to see what that connection could be with that student and what you're willing to maybe learn more about too um, from that student and dive into their world a little bit. And so pursue, 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 is what I tell the students, and then equip.
0: You don't go out of your way to match leader, the volunteer leader, leader's own background, with the student's background. So if, for instance, that student leader happened to be an urbanite, the the student tends tended to be more rural mm-hmm. you would still put them together would you
1: the goal always is to put like with like to find an i perfect situation is to find like a, a leader who maybe grew up in a, an urban environment to be discipling and leading a mm. student who yeah. is in an urban environment as well that's always the goal um sometimes that's not really the <laughs> what god gives. The reality. Us. Like, yeah the reality is sometimes we have um, just we can't it's hard for me to maybe find a leader who has that background or to find a person who has that. And so it's and
0: like, maybe okay. it's a good thing.
1: You know, I think it is. I think that this generation, too, is going to be especially in the U.S. It's going to be more diverse than any other generation before in the past. And so a lot of them are really empathizing with different cultures. And I think that's a good skill to learn how to do that from, a, from an early age as yeah. you go into the workforce when you grow up, college, whatever they decide to do next. Hmm. Um, that just being able to empathize with different cultures um, is a really useful skill.
0: So so briefly tell me what the other letters stand for.
1: Yeah, I can run through that pretty fast. So the E is Equip. Um, meaning that it's the leader's role to be equipping the students with what their experience with God is and their knowledge of God um, and the Bible is that they're equipping them. And then listen is that the, the leaders aren't just people just to give advice, right, that it's all about the students and so meaning that the leaders give space just to listen. Uh, to the students, I can't remember who it is, but there's a quote where someone says that listening is so close to loving you yeah. can hardly tell the difference. Yeah, that um, listening is so close to loving you can hardly tell a difference. difference. I that. think that's so true. I think that the students feel really loved by leaders when leaders just kind of listen to them and taking what they have to say. And then the last P is pray, is that the students are intentionally praying for the students and their families. Um, I think, I don't know, it's kind of a, an interesting statement I make sometimes, but I tell people I can tell when a student or someone is not being prayed for. Like you can just tell when someone hasn't been praised for in their life. And there's something I believe that does happen um, spiritually and that God does when we do mm-hmm. pray um, mm. for our students intentionally. That's
0: beautiful. And I I just feel that, you know, when you were talking about the mix of the students with mm-hmm. your leaders, the people that report to you and that balance and, and, you know, leadership is so important. They set the mm-hmm. temperature and they'll probably set the temperature for those um, young people moving on as well so leadership is so powerful yeah. so tell me if you were to give a leader in the church and I make the, the difference um, I, I sort of make the difference between leader in the church and a church leader because a church leader is seen as the senior pastor senior minister yeah. Whereas you are a leader in the church, together with people that run different departments. So if you were to give some advice to a fellow youth pastor or in your case a student pastor, what would yeah. it be?
1: I think that um well you already said it right. I think um leaders in the church just aren't the lead pastor, but the kind of all of us, even in Hebrews, right, we're called a royal priesthood, which that scares The students and leaders when I tell them sometimes that I'm like you guys are all leaders um, of the church and they're like whoa what kind of feels like it's a different responsibility uh, which it is in a way but when speaking to people kind of in a position that I'm in specifically youth ministry and youth pastoring I think you should always be asking yourself the why Um, what's the reason or the why behind what you're doing this event this teaching this strategy or value might have like what's the why behind that I think a lot of times, especially in the US where we have mega churches are 2000, sometimes people chase the numbers. Yeah. And people like just big numbers, right? And yeah. so And so that's the what, right? You're like you, you know the what the what is I want 300 students. Mm. If that's your what, your how is going to be like, well let me like throw on this big event where people mm. will come, let me do this thing where people will come. But if you start from the why, and your why is God and the Bible, and you you dig in there, find your what, then your what becomes to disciple students to be more like Christ, mm. and your how is different. What you start doing is differently. And so I always encourage youth pastors and church leaders to start with the why, um, really understanding what your why and reason is behind the, the different things you do. That ministry is not just a job, but it yeah. is a calling, it's yeah. a vocation. We can't treat it just like it's a job where no. There's just a specific responsibilities nine to five type thing you have to do. It is a calling, meaning that is an active relationship with God and asking God of how is he moving right now in this ministry among these students and how can I partner with you um, in that? I always think it is something that youth pastors and youth ministry leaders should be asking. And then in addition to that, kind of like what I said of listening, being able to listen to the students and to the leaders, um, just being able to sit and listen instead of coming with your own kind of ideas and things of really understanding that this is their ministry. It's not yours is that this is the youth's ministry. And then the third thing is a little bit of what I was saying earlier about giving the students specific um, spiritual disciplines and tools to be like Christ. I think that is really beneficial. I think as the US, um, the US and specifically Arizona still has some Bible Belt influences and the Bible Belt is kind of what we call the East, like Texas and places like that um, that are still kind of heavenly heavily um, influenced by Christianity. And so when speaking to Arizona, Arizona is kind of a, a mix of that, of this modern Christian type place and kind of a post-modern, post-Christian society. Yeah. we kind of in the mix of both right now. And so I think tools, right? As we head more into a post-Christian society, tools of what it looks like to be in a relationship with Christ, tools like contemplation, silence, slowing down, listening to God, these tools that work. In church history, um, from the beginning of redeeming those and regaining those to put in the lives of the students in a kind of interesting, fun, and practical way for Uh, them—something that's not seen as boring or monotonous, but something that they see as actually beneficial to their lives and beneficial to their relationship with God. Um, One thing that I I do kind of simply is this thing called palms down, palms up prayer. Just for like a minute or two, Mm -hmm. um, I have a student sit in silence where their palms are down and they go to God with what's on their heart, with what's on their mind, usually I do it at the end of a message. And so sometimes like if I did a message, say on loneliness, and talked about how God is always with us, or say, put your palms down, I want you to go to God, and go to him um, with maybe some moments where you feel lonely, Um, go to him with the, the times when he might feel far away. And then after that, I want you to turn your palms over. Mm-hmm. Um, turn your palms over so from mm-hmm. down to being over to hear from God and receive what he has to say to you and at that moment I just trust God that he's going to speak to his kids I trust God that he's going to speak to the youth and that God loves them right way more than I ever could and so at that moment um, I allow them to practice hearing from God and it's just like a small tool like that that we do where it's like take that home with you that's something you can do in the morning for a minute or two in just a good way to start your day. So kind of like tools like that, these spiritual disciplines that help facilitate our relationship with God, I think is going to be pivotal for their formation as they become more like Christ as they grow. I'm a big, that's kind of a big passion for mine, right? Is formation. I'm always mm-hmm. thinking like, man, how is, what am I doing? The habits I do, what's being taught? How is that playing in the formation of these students um, and of these young people? And I think when we, put into practice those spiritual disciplines um it allows us to be formed to be more and more like christ instead of being formed on how the culture wants us to behave and how the culture wants us to be like which sometimes Mm -hmm. doesn't always line up with what god is asking for us
0: Exactly. Wow, that was so powerful. Um, I'm going to can that. So powerful. Thank you so much, Kendall, for talking to us about what I think is a really, really important subject because I know, you know, we're saying these are the leaders of the future. Actually, they're already the leaders. A lot of them are influencers. So we've got to try and guide them as best we can. And um, you, your colleagues and everybody else that does this work, it's very, very, very important work. I really thank you um, mm. in this episode for talking about young adults. And what we're going to do is include the links to Kendall and the various uh, streams of the ministry on yeah. the show notes for this podcast. I, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and, and best wishes for seminary as well. So That's much. a really good thing. So And, and say hello to Erin. My I will. Friend. Yeah, I'm really, really, really happy me. to speak to you. God bless you.
1: God bless you. Thank you for the work that you do, Minister. I know it reaches so many people. Thank you. It's such a blessing to the people who do hear it. So Thank bless you. you and the work that God's given you to do. Amen. Madge.
0: Thank you.